All right. The months at Sinai were a span of time during which the Israelites had an incredible number of details about many things. And the priests are told how to dress. The high priest is given very lavish garments to wear. The building of the tabernacle was very carefully laid out. The arrangement of the tribes around the tabernacle was very specific. The order of the march toward the promised land was very ordered. The chapters covering the sacrificial offerings had very minute instructions about who should be offered and how. And the passage tonight is a short passage about lamps and where they should go. And the Bible does commit to this kind of detail, saying, don't just put the lamps anywhere. I want you to put them in a certain place and facing a certain way. And you think, well, that's awfully specific. And awfully specific for the Bible to give any manner of attention to it. Well, last week we covered the third longest chapter in the whole Bible. And so it's very fitting that we have one of the shortest sections in all of the book of Numbers to follow it. And, uh, and that's tonight. Just a few verses to consider in its initial context, but not stopping there. Uh, if you're thinking, is this going to be a reflection on the placement of lamps? Um, yes, but not only that. Okay, so you're just going to have to trust me. Um, What we notice in um, the board presentation here is that in the tabernacle was a lampstand on the south side of the tabernacle. And Moses, according to chapter 789, last verse of last week's chapter, he goes into the tent of meeting to hear from the Lord who would speak to him from above the mercy seat, which was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. And also in the tabernacle, which would be in the presence of Moses with him in that holy place, would be this lampstand. There is this uh, placement or spatial connection then between Moses entering the tent of meeting at the end of chapter 7 and one of the things that would be lighting up the whole tent of meeting at the beginning of chapter 8. It's the lampstand. There were no windows in this tabernacle. Uh, There were no extra hallways and doors off of the sides. You went into the eastern entrance and then you were swallowed up into utter darkness because of layers of garments and skins and linens. And therefore, if there was to be light and not a house of the Lord completely dark, then you had to have light brought in. And that's what the lampstand would do. That's inside the tabernacle so that it was not completely black. And yet it was more than just a practical purpose. Though it certainly was a practical purpose of lighting the room. Chapter 8 reminds us of this ornament, this vessel from Exodus that represents the light and fire and presence of God with his people. In chapter 8, we are given very brief instructions in verses 1 and 2. The obedience of Aaron in verse 3, and then a reminder of what this lampstand actually was and how it was built in verse 4. Let's look at the instructions. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, and say to him, to Aaron, When you set up the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light in front of the lampstand. These lamps had to be very carefully located. The instruction is that they not be placed around it, but actually on the the cup-like top of each of the branches. So you have a a central base. So on the right there, tried to blow up the lampstand for us so that we could see what this uh, thing is. And um, this rough sketch is a way of trying to show seven lampstands 
seven, um, um, seven branches of this large lampstand. And this is sometimes called the menorah. And the menorah would have those seven cups at the top into which little lampstands would be placed. And those little seven lamps, I keep saying lampstand when I mean lamp, the lamps at the ends of those branches would then be tended and the wicks cut and the oil addressed and the flame lit. That is how um, the priest would have to tend to it. They had various utensils for that. When we're told, set up the seven lamps to give light in front of the lampstand, I just want you to see in this tabernacle uh, drawing, why? Because if the lamps are placed in front, in other words, aiming out to the front of the lampstand and not to any of its sides or behind, it would light up what was on the opposite wall. And, And it doesn't mention anything about a table of bread here. It's implied to put light in front of the lampstand to shine out is to light up what's on the other side of it. And what's on the other side of it is a table of bread. This table of bread was replaced every Sabbath, and the priests would eat the leftover loaves. And these two circles represent two stacks of six loaves on top of one another. Twelve loaves of bread in these two stacks, these two piles, to represent the twelve tribes of Israel. What's being shown here? Well, in one sense, we're thinking about furniture placement. Where's the lampstand going and which direction should the lamps be facing? Now, that's just not micromanaging detail for no reason. There's a real logic to this because it shines upon the table of bread, which represents the blessing and provision of God for the people table where someone would naturally be thinking in a regular Israelite home, we sit down at table to commune. We sit down at table to break bread and to share a life together. And God is saying, come into my house. There's food on my table and the lights are on for you. The imagery in the tabernacle is to welcome the priests who represent the Israelites. This is the house of the Lord. This is his dwelling place. And therefore, the vessels or these holy instruments are to symbolize the light of God shining on the table. It's the same verb from Numbers 6. In the Aaronic blessing, the blessing given to Aaron and his sons for the people was that the light of God's face would shine on you. And be gracious to you. And the Lord's countenance lifted up upon you and give you peace. What's very likely that the close proximity of chapter 8 should recall that blessing. Here is the reminder of the uplifted shining face of God on the people. Symbolized. You've got lamps. Very carefully placed. Shining out in front of them. To light up the table of bread. Reminding the Israelites that the shining face of God is indeed upon his people. That's why the lamp placement matters. That's why it's important for them to tend to it twice a day. These were not lights that should just spend time uh, out with, uh, without any of the wicks lit. Though I'm imagining accidentally that could happen from time to time. The efforts of the priest was to keep the lights on so that even in the night of Israel, while everybody was in their respective tent, three tribes on each side of the tabernacle, they would know that in the darkness of their tent, the holy place was lit up with a lampstand. And that the lamps were burning. And that they were facing toward the table of bread. So that they would have a theological solace and comfort in their minds. The Lord has lifted up his shining face on us, his people. 
It was a beautiful picture right there in this tabernacle portable tent. Now it tells us in verse 3, Aaron's obedience. He set up the lamps in front of the lampstand as the Lord commanded Moses. Which reminds us again um, with this summary statement, the obedience we've seen with specific Israelites named and Israelites as a whole among their tribes and clans for different instructions so far. Chapters 1 through 7 and now into chapter 8 are full of the people of God responding to God's word and obeying it. I've said to you before, though, this is a trajectory that doesn't carry on through all the numbers, does it? This is a trajectory where it starts well, but things will deviate when they begin to leave Sinai in chapter 10. But here, the obedience of the high priest is reported. Aaron did so. He puts the lamps to shine exactly where they should in front of that lampstand. That doesn't mean he put the lamps on the floor. It means he put them to shine in front of the lampstand where the table of bread on the other side would be lit. Shining face of God once again on his people. The reason that the lampstand is associated with the presence of God is because in this tabernacle you have fire and smoke being emitted. And when the tabernacle was deconstructed for the people to march, what guides the people? A pillar of cloud and fire by night. The image of fire or light is associated with the presence of God. We heard in our scripture reading this morning, Andrew read from 1 John, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. When the Lord installs this imagery here, this lampstand has more than a practical purpose. His very presence and favor is upon the sinful Israelites. He's redeemed them and aims to bless them with his presence. Now in verse 4, in the last part of our passage tonight, the design of the lampstand is given. This was the workmanship of the lampstand, hammered work of gold. From its base to its flowers, it was hammered work. According to the pattern that the Lord had shown Moses, so he made the lampstand. This pattern language was imposed. This means uh, this design was not something given to the different creative minds in the Israelite encampment. Everybody submit a drawing. And the first prize, that's becoming the pattern for the lampstand. You know, they might have had ideas about what it could look like, but there were specific instructions and additions to the branches. What I've tried to sketch there for you on the right um, are images of what you would see with uh, Google images that have tried to reconstruct lampstand pictures. And that is some kind of blossom or flowery depiction with these branches like a tree overlapping with imagery of flower and growth. It, it blends together life and fertility, life and sustenance and provision. That the very presence of God has a vitality and liveliness to it that means his people are sustained and blessed by him as the source of their light and life. Light and life. In fact, if the sun were to go out, the ending of light would be the ending of life in short order. It is the design of God, even in the way the planetary and heavenly bodies function, that light and the giving and sustaining of life go together. In the life of Israel, it's the same way. It tells us in verse 4 that this was hammered out of gold. But it's not set up on anything. What you need to remember about this menorah, this lampstand from Exodus, is that it's quite heavy. It's made out of gold weighing approximately 75 pounds. 
You're not just going to lightly grab this with one hand without thinking. I mean, you're, this, is, this is to be carried again as a holy thing among the Kohathites that's been prepared by the priests. And therefore, um, not to be just uh, thought of as something that fits in the palm of your hand. You know, this is not some small lamp. This is 75 pounds of gold with stretching branches out with lamps on the top that are to be lit and tended twice a day. And it doesn't set on a table like the bread sets on this table. It stands on the floor. So this is a floor standing seven branched menorah. It would have been multiple feet high and filling. And it would have had to have been for the uh, amount of light needed for the room. Therefore, Aaron's obedience in verse three and the specific design of the lampstand reinforced in verse four. But what about what happens beyond the life of these Israelites in numbers with this lampstand? We would imagine, given the transportation of the tabernacle, that when Israel leaves Sinai, this is not left behind, weighs a lot, gold is expensive. A lot of ornate artistry and craftsmanship went into it. This lampstand is going with them. And the lampstand going with them symbolizes the presence of God in their midst. He leads them with fire and cloud. And then when you move beyond the days of the Israelites during the tabernacle era, eventually Solomon will build a temple. And in the temple, because of its vastness, they will not need one lampstand Does anybody happen to know how many lampstands were in the temple of Solomon? Ten. Ten lampstands according to to 1 Kings 7.49 and according to 2 Chronicles 4 verse 7. Ten golden lampstands. We can imagine a much larger room having to be lit by multiple lampstands, all of which collectively are to make the same theological point. The light and presence, favor and blessing of God with the Israelites. This menorah um, is even an important symbol during the intertestamental period uh, because of the festival of Hanukkah, which was established in the second century B.C. A wicked Greek king had had, uh, defiled and, uh, and rendered unclean the holy place of Israel. And when the Maccabees stirred a revolt and retook the temple and cleansed it for proper worship, the, the um, uh, festival of Hanukkah, or the Feast of Dedication as it's called, remembers that rededication in December of every year. And menorahs, or lampstands, are part of that celebration. Now, when the temple was rebuilt, there's no biblical evidence that the rebuilt temple under Zerubbabel during the days of Haggai and Zechariah retained a number of 10 lampstands. We do find that in the Solomonic temple, but it was destroyed by Babylon in 586 BC. So in the rebuilt temple, it is not clear that seven lampstands were once again installed. In fact, according to archaeologists, the rebuilt temple was much smaller than the Solomonic temple, which was grand and vast. And when Herod the Great in the first century Roman Empire expanded with his archaeological um, endeavors, he expanded the rebuilt temple to make it much more vast, impressive, and glorious. But the rebuilt temple in the days of the last prophets uh, was not an impressive place and was not as vast in scope and square footage as the Solomonic temple. May not have needed to. In fact, one of the prophets who prophesied in 520 BC was a man named Zechariah. 
And Zechariah tells us in chapter 4 in a vision that there is this vision of one golden lampstand that plays a role in his uh, oracles. Not ten lampstands, but one lampstand once more. And this has led some interpreters to say, we have returned to a one lampstand state of things, perhaps. And then when you move past the Old Testament, you get into the New Testament era where light and lampstand imagery plays into the ministry of Jesus. John's gospel is wonderful here. Listen to John 1, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. What do you have being paired together in the very ministry of Jesus with his incarnation? Life and light. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In John 1 verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. In John 8 12, one of Jesus' I am sayings, a very well-known one, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So according to Scripture, the Lord Jesus himself brings light and life to sinners. I would put it to you this way, that the lampstand is one further foreshadowing of the glorious and surpassing person and work of Jesus who was to come in his incarnation. And uh, the shadows and types and patterns in the Old Testament include vessels like this lampstand. We need no lampstand. We have the Lord Jesus. In his commentary on Numbers, scholar Ian Dugan says, We have the reality toward which the tabernacle lampstand pointed. Jesus Christ is himself the one in whom the light of God's blessing shines upon us. Not only this, we find in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, You are the light of the world. Which further extends some interesting imagery here that not only is Christ the light of the world, but in union with Christ, the disciples of Christ extend the blessed gospel light to the nations. According to scripture, we are lampstands. Listen to Revelation 1. Revelation 1.12 says, I turned to see the voice speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands was one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his waist. Now what might those seven lampstands be? Chapter 1 verse 20 of Revelation, the seven lampstands are the seven churches. We find that an image of judgment or discipline upon a local church is the removal of its lampstand. So this imagery of giving light and hope to the nations continues in the mission of the gospel through the risen Christ and his church, the ascended Christ and his church. He is the light of the world and we are his lampstands in union with him and therefore light and life unto the world. When you get to the very end of Revelation, in the final two chapters... There is no tabernacle that resumes. There is no new temple that's to be constructed. Here's what John tells us in Revelation 21. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never shut 
be shut by day. There will be no night there. They will bring glory into it and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what's detestable or false, only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. When you read in Numbers 8, it is on the surface of it, and it so just seems to be instructions about furniture placement. But I'm just wanting you to know why the placement of lamps matter. What it lights up, and in the grander scheme of the Old and New Testament storyline, why imagery of lampstands and light matter for the people of God. You see, you could point to the lampstand in the days of Israel, and you could say, that right there is the light of the tabernacle. But the first century disciples of Jesus could point to him and say, that right there is not the light of the tabernacle. That is the light of the world. Let's pray.